Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Bring the Vegas gaming experience to the palm of your hand. Bet your favorite team, try your luck in a casino, or our poker room. The earliest sports lines and the biggest limits online. Lots of deposit options. Bet on live events as they happen. The next play, the next score. Get winnings fast or roll them into a parlay and win even more. Visit Bet Online today and see what millions of customers have experienced for over 20 years. On third and three, they protect Brady. Scans the field and lets it fly. It's Evans. It's a touchdown. This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty. All fame Tampa Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstock, Tempe Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! And there are the cannons, cannons. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Hello, and welcome back to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Live on YouTube this glorious Saturday morning. I am your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself from BucksNation.com, Mr. Evan Wanish. Happy weekend to you, my friend. The Tampa Bay Buccaneer rookies report to training camp today, and the veterans report here starting next week. So, uh, I mean, without saying football's back, we can both agree football's back, right, baby? Hey, you're starting to, to get that little bit of an itch, right, for um for football. It's starting to to get to that point, you know. It's uh it's always uh, exciting, especially at the beginning of, of camp, I think. Um when, you know, guys first start reporting and, and this and that. Then after a little bit, camp gets old, but then the preseason rolls around and you get that itch again. And then eventually, you know, you're watching third and fourth stringers play in the preseason games. You're like, okay, this is kind of Kind of not great. And then the regular season's here. So, yeah, we are we are very close to actual football being played. And it's uh, it's pretty crazy that it's it's gone by pretty fast. Despite that, I think the crazy offseason might have helped, um, but it has gone by pretty fast. So we're going to catch you up on all the latest Bucks uh, news stories from the week. We got a couple of player acquisitions to go over. But one of the biggest talking points this week has to do with the uniforms. And it's funny because this kind of sets the timetable for me. And this is where I realized that time has gone faster than I thought it did. So everybody's getting alternate uniforms this week. And the Buccaneers announced officially that the creamsicles will be back. But due to a quote-unquote global supply shortage, which I guess has to do with the color of the uniform more than the helmet, I I guess. But uh, due to that supply shortage, the Bucs will not be getting the creamsicles until 2023. So since that time... Feels like just about every single team in the league has announced that they're going to be wearing an alternate helmet with a throwback uniform or just some special variant of their uniform. Since the NFL lifted the two helmet rule, teams have taken advantage of it. But when the Buccaneers officially made the announcement that the creamsicle was back, how long ago does that feel like to you? Like two or three months, right? Uh, Yeah. February. February uh, <laughs> 23rd. The Buccaneers officially made the announcement that the creamsicles are going to be back. And between then and now, it only feels like we've had maybe a month or two of stuff worth to talk about. But like that's that's one of those things where I went and I found that tweet. Somebody had quote tweeted it complaining about everybody else getting the alternates. 
and they sent that out all the way back in February. So yeah, I can kind of agree with you on on how the uh, the ebbs and flow of this offseason have, have really picked up and like things were good when they were good and it was slow when it was slow, but it is the end of July here. So I guess I can say that it feels a little bit faster this time around. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I've been doing the, on the Instagram page, I've been doing like a lot of more Q and A's and stuff um, as the season gets closer and training camp gets closer. And I've gotten a bunch of questions about like, Oh, why is every other team getting uniforms and the bucks aren't, I don't know, like supply chain issues. That's, that's what we were told. So um, yeah, it has nothing to do with the helmet. Uh, the helmet's easy. Uh, the, the, the helmet is just a, a white helmet and you put a bunch of decals on it. That That's easy. If, if the Bucks wanted to do a throwback helmet with their current uniforms, it would look pretty weird. Gross. But they could do it. Yeah, it wouldn't um, look good. So, I mean, and they could also, they could do an alternate helmet this year if they wanted to. Like, who and who's saying they won't? Who knows? Um, you know, I... I, I it, it has to do with, with the uniforms. That's the big thing. Now, the Eagles... They just released yesterday that they're going to be having a all black helmet. Um, there's not going to be any different jerseys. And I mentioned the Eagles because the Eagles were one of the other teams that said their throwbacks are coming, but it's not until 2023. So it's not just the books who are maybe affected by the supply chain issue uh, because the Eagles are another team who like those Kelly green jerseys, I think are better than theirs right now. Right? Yeah. Like, oh, I, I think, think the Kelly greens are up there with the cream sickles. I'm a little biased towards the cream sickles, but I, I think the Kelly greens are some of the best uniforms in football history. Yeah. Like, and I think that's better than the Eagles current uniforms and that's a beloved throwback uniform, but yet again, people have to wait for that. So um, it's not just the books. I've seen some people speculate that, Oh, maybe the books are trying to, to surprise everybody and, and this and that. I don't know. I just think if you were going to try to surprise everybody, why would you even put out a, a tweet in the first place saying it was going to be 2023? Like, why not just keep quiet about the whole thing? Don't mention a peep about it. And then just one day just come out and boom. But uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have, have anything else other than what the reason was given. So a couple of people have mentioned the idea of like, oh, how about the Bucks float this out? But, you know, between will and determination and a bunch of people complaining, maybe somehow they pull it off this year and they do surprise everyone. Unless they make a formal announcement, I wouldn't expect them to just roll out in the creamsicle one game. But I, I don't know, man. It's disappointing because I think the reason it hurts that much more is because everybody wants to assume this is Tom's last year. Now, I've heard plenty of people saying, you know, they don't think that. Uh, they were talking about it on McAfee this week where literally just about everybody on that show is convinced that, well, you know, we don't have any reason to believe he's not going to be back in 2023. But Obviously, this is neither here nor there. We're just complaining about not getting the creamsicles this year and what could be Tom Brady's final year as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. But uh, it is what it is. You know what I mean? We're just complaining. And until something is able to happen, that's the latest we have for you on it. But let's talk about some better news regarding Tampa Bay this week. They made a signing at tight end. A lot of people have said this is a replacement for Gronk, and that's not the right term for it because it's it's going to be tough to replace Gronk. But when you're working with the tight end room that you have, I don't know if there were many other signings you could have gone out there and got who would be much better than this. A couple of names we had talked about on last week's show uh, was this tight end along with a guy like Eric Ebron, Jared Cook, possibly 
Well, Buccaneers go out and sign tight end Kyle Rudolph to a one-year deal. The Minnesota Vikings legend at 32 years old is in Tampa Bay and looking for a championship ring alongside Tom Brady. I mean, there's a lot of good things to be said about Kyle Rudolph. He's all around, you know, everybody describes him, the things you hear about him. He's like a good football guy. I guess we can label some people in the league that, you know what I'm saying? Like, you kind of know what I mean. He's not afraid to get down and dirty. He's very smart, very athletic. He's been a playmaker in his career before. Last played with New York and Daniel Jones. He was a Vikings legend before that. As I mentioned, he is 32 years old. So at this point, I don't get the sense that he's going to come in here and be a bona fide tight end one like a lot of people would think. I feel like he's just going to split reps with Cam Braid all year. You know what I mean? We're kind of we're, we're going to kind of look at the, both of those guys as as tight end ones. I think maybe Rudolph. You see him him. Uh, you see him in the game on running downs a little bit more, but he can obviously be a valuable target in the end zone. He can be a mismatch for some guys, but you split reps between Cam Braid, who is getting a little bit up there in age, and then Kyle Rudolph. Both have been playmakers in their careers before, but. Going that route, you know, I think you ultimately just want to make sure these guys make it through the regular season healthy and able to contribute at the end of the day. You don't really feel like you want to have to rely on one a lot more than the other. You know what I mean? Yeah, and um, Rudolph isn't the same player that he was three, four, five years ago. So, yeah, I saw somebody had asked me on that Q&A thing, do you think Rudolph gets at least 800 yards? And I said no, because when I checked, he only had over 800 yards once in his entire career. So, like, he's not going to do that now at the age of 32. Um, he's just I just don't really think that's possible. For people coming in and expecting him, like you said, to be a Gronkowski replacement, no, that's, you know, that's – I think you're setting an unrealistic expectation and I think you're just going to set yourself up for disappointment uh, that way by expecting that, because even though he's a name that you recognize, he's not the same player that he once was. He's a decent player, but he's just not what he once was. You're not going to get the the two-time pro bowl or Minnesota Viking. You know, spent a decade there. Um, I think he's like, I think with like four or five more touchdowns, he can move into 10th all time. For, for touchdowns by a tight end, I think, or something like that. Um, so, I mean, he's had a really good career. And that's not to say he's going to be bad in Tampa, but it's just he's not going to be the the Pro Bowl tight end or even have the same impact that Gronkowski had because Gronkowski was a unicorn. You know, he was a guy who could do uh, everything at a really high level. Rudolph is a – the reason I think the Bucks went with Rudolph and not some other tight ends such as Jared Cook, Eric Ebron – um, is because out of those guys, Rudolph is the best blocker. It's not a great blocker, but he's the best blocker, and he's probably not counting Coke Keith, who likely won't see much like significant time at tight end if he does make the roster. I, I actually wanted to sidebar and ask, do you think Coke Keith is a practice squad guy this year? I think so, yeah. He seems more like a project guy than anything. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, Without not mentioning him, Kyle Rudolph's probably the best blocking tight end they have now. Uh, and he's not a great blocker, so the Bucks might take a step back in that department. But he's a good red zone target. He's always, ha- always has been. 
Um, and for, for Bucks fans that don't like this, you know, he is a Saints killer. Um, he is really, uh, every time he's played the Saints, he's played well against them. So, um, obviously he had the infamous, uh, touchdown, um, in the, the playoffs, I believe what three years ago, I think that was, um, in, in overtime to eliminate the Saints. So, um, yeah, that was, Actually, I think it was two years ago. Yeah, I think it was two years ago because Minnesota went on to play San Francisco in the second round. They got beat. So, um, actually, no, it was three years. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm dating. See, time, time is crazy. Time's going by. Time fast. is an illusion, buddy. Once I you know. get to a certain age, it just, it kind of starts to melt away. Is, <laughs> is depressing as that sounds. I know, and I'm not even the old guy on this podcast, but you know, it's, it's starting to affect me more. Um. But yeah, I mean, I think Rudolph can be good. Uh, I'm just saying to temper the expectations a little bit. You know, he's like, if you're coming in expecting him to be this spectacular tight end, I do th- agree with you that it might be more of a committee kind of. Um, I don't think you're going to see Kyle Rudolph play 80% of the snaps, you know, can break it a little and Kate out and get none. I think all three of them could really be in almost like a rotation. Um Kate out and we have some news on, on him. We'll get into it in a little bit, but um, you know, it's, I think it was the best move that they could have made. He was probably one of the better available names on the market. Now we do have to mention this because I want, before we move on for the whole tight end discussion for now, <laughs> still think there's a chance Rob Gronkowski's on his roster come like week 11. It, but it, You know, the only reason I tend to think so is because it's, it's incredibly ironic how just about everybody but Rob Gronkowski is saying like, hey, I wouldn't rule out him coming back. I mean, Logan Ryan, Logan a guy Ryan, um, who yeah, played with him football. years in New England. He's on the Tampa Bay roster now. He comes out this week. Camille Koshtek is his girlfriend. Yeah, so his girlfriend, his agent, and his teammate is now saying they don't they don't think he's done. Like, come on. He's he's reiterated yet again, even since the last time we recorded a podcast, like, hey, I'm done with football. I'm all set. I've got what I need. But I mean, clearly that sounds like a guy who's ready to jump back in and make a commitment here in a couple of months. I I guess that that's easy to say in July, though. Like, that's the thing I keep coming back to. It's easy to say in July when it's summer and everything's going on. It's easy to say that I I wouldn't. Does the the signing of Rudolph, you know, hurt the chances of him coming back? Absolutely. I, I think it definitely hurts it. Right. But it just it wouldn't surprise me. It just, yeah, but it you better not. believe that if he wants to come back, the box are going to make the oh, consideration yeah. just like they did for Tom and Kate Otten's going to be riding the bench like that's that's kind of what that tight end room is going to look like. But I, I'm still in the camp that wants to believe he's done. Like I, I said this on the last show, I guess I'm going to double down on it because the last thing I want to do is be someone who flip flops opinions on this podcast. But I just I personally think he's done. But like you said, it's easy to say in July and it's also easy to say when uh, Tampa is in the middle of one of the hottest summers I have ever felt in my entire life. It is absolutely dreadful down yeah, here. Yeah, y- you think he's going and saying, oh, yeah, you know what? You know what I'd love to do? 
Go play some football to, right now. I, I would love to have a, a practice with full pads on, just running in this heat. And then in September, I would love to play a football game in this. Oh my god, yeah, no. And, and Raymond James is notorious for the uh, for the temperature on the field being way above wherever it is outside the stadium. All the red plastic seats are definitely going to make sure it's a little bit of a Dutch oven in there come the September and even the October games. I mean, yeah. really, we don't get a high of 75 in Florida until like December if we're lucky. But yeah, so he comes back for the structure. Like it's not, you know, it's, <laughs> I, we get, I can see this playing out like it's just it's not difficult for me to see this playing out. So we'll see. I, I'm not, you know. I, I still have a feeling he's going to be on the roster, but we'll, we'll, time will tell. Yeah. There are some other things we need to talk about. Actually, before we move on from the tight end room, let's go ahead and give that update on KDOT. Okay. And I guess we'll kind of preview that position before we dive into this last bit of news. And then, of course, the reason most of you will probably hear the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 2022 training camp preview. We'll just take a look at some key positions, some battles that I think could be a little underrated coming into this preseason. But Kate Otten, most of this rookie class now officially signed to the roster. So that's always good news. Yeah, Kate Otten's the only one that's unsigned. Um, oh, so. well, then forget I said what I said. <laughs> I thought I was under the impression they were all signed. I guess Otten is the only one who is not as, yeah, of, Kate, uh, Kate as Otten, of training camp Kate today. Actually, it's weird. I think I read somewhere. And I don't, this could, obviously could have changed and likely did change, but I read somewhere that like, out of like the however many fourth round picks that there were, not a lot of them have signed. It, it, it's weird this year with fourth round picks. Not a lot of them have signed their rookie contracts. Um, I, I don't know why a lot of people think it, it may seem to be um, with Houston Texans, their, their, their pick. I forget who it was. Um, who was the... The, the Florida running back. Do you remember? It was a you're, Florida, you're asking the wrong guy here. Yeah, it was, it was a Florida running back, but um, the 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 Texans. Um, okay, well the chat says Greg Allman tweeted that Otten signed, so it had to be right now because last night he did not. Greg, sign. Greg Allman's taking a little siesta on the beach. I think he actually sent a tweet out. Let me see if I can find it. He said this may be a little out of pocket. Damian Pierce, I think, is who you were thinking of. Yeah, 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 him, yeah. Uh, let me find um, this tweet really here, and we got the details for it. That's the great thing of doing this stuff live. You get to find stuff out. All right, at yeah. beach with family, so a bit out of pocket. But as the Tampa Bay Buccaneer rookies report to training camp today, they'll be signing the last two draft picks and second rounder Logan Hall and fourth rounder Kate Otten. Yeah, so it's it's not it's not official yet though. That that's the Logan thing. Hall was able to work out a deal late last night, but to know that pretty much the entire rookie class yeah. is going to be good to go, and you, that's know, you don't have to case. worry about that. <laughs> it, it, I never feel like you have to worry about that too no. much, but some people do, and and now you don't. Yeah, that that that's always the case. Um. Yeah, everybody every year somebody tweets me, Oh, how are they gonna have salary cap space to to uh to sign their rookie class? I'm like, it's okay. Like <laughs> their, their their first round pick isn't gonna be an unrestricted free agent. Like I promise. Um yeah, so uh Kate Otten though, the 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 news that we have on him is that he was finally medically cleared for training camp. Uh he was held out of rookie camp, I, I believe, held out of OTAs and everything. There was an ankle injury. Um, he was nursing that, I think, during like the whole process of the draft and everything. So um, 
it's good that he is now medically cleared a hundred percent good to go because he's going to need the reps. You know, I think next year, obviously Kyle Rudolph signed a one-year deal. Even if Robert Gronkowski comes back, it's likely only for one year. Karen Brait, who knows if he's going to be here next year. Like you could be looking at the tight end room with just Kate Otten in it. So it's important for him to, to develop this year a little bit. And this when, is the first step of it. When you also talk about guys coming back, like I, I know you can never rule out a guy like Gronkowski, but even Kyle Rudolph on a one-year deal, Cam Bright being as old as he is, the average age of that tight end room is is going up every year. And mm. when you are Kate Otten, not only are those reps that much more valuable, but I think after a certain point, he's going to have to realize that this franchise is, is going to lean on him a little bit to kind of maybe be – not the next superstar in that tight end room, but as serviceable as a guy like Cam Brait one day, you know, it, it's hard to say a whole lot of bad about Cam over his career here. No, no, no. And um, you, you're right. You make a great point, you know, that every year <laughs> Cameron Brait gets a year older. If Rock Gronkowski was here, he'd be a year older. Kyle Rudolph, you signed is 32. Like it, it's, it's an old group right now. Um, and that's one of the reasons they drafted two tight ends. You know, that, that that's one of the reasons. So, um, obviously, Cook Keith is, I think, limited. He's going to have a very specific role if he makes the roster. Um, Kate Otten is, is that guy, though, that you're looking at that can be, like, you know, maybe maybe a starter, like definitely a contributor. Um, so, I you know, before the draft, I looked at him as a guy with uh, a limited ceiling but a pretty high floor. Uh, I thought his floor was was pretty high. I don't think he's going to be a bad player. I just don't know if you're going to be getting, you know, like, a oh, this is a top 15, top 10 tight end. Like, no, I think he's going to do his job. Um, but you know, if all goes well in his development and everything. So it's good news to see him finally medically cleared. Uh, that ankle's been bothering him. And, uh, you know, it's good that he's going to be able to go full speed now uh, at these training camp practices because for a rookie, uh, especially one that may not get as much playing time, uh, it, these practices are really crucial and the preseason as well. So he'll be able to play in those games as well. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. One more guy that we need to focus on before we start to dive into position battles. And uh, we can officially put this to bed. I think we talked about it last week, but Leonard Fournette. Oh, my God. A report comes out, I don't know, a week and a half, two weeks ago as we get ready for training camp that Lenny showed up to mandatory OTAs weighing about 260 pounds, which his trainer has come out and said was probably blown out of proportion a little bit. Uh, But nobody was denying that Lenny showed up to camp a little bit overweight. And I mean, listen, when you don't go to voluntary OTAs and you show up to mandatory OTAs out of shape, I can understand the cause for concern. But the reason that this has been a non-story since day one is because Leonard Fournette is a professional athlete who probably has a good enough team around him to know how to manage somebody's weight like that. But the official comment came out this week, kind of wrapping things up. Team trainer Jordan Bush, who has been working with Lenny since minicamp, acknowledged to Greg Allman of TheAthletic.com that Lenny came in heavy but said that he's been putting in the work. Quote, honestly, he did return to us a little bit bigger than we wanted. He was also in the sauna every day, getting extra cardio every single day. We called it fat camp just to mess around with him, but he was doing that type of stuff every single day, and we could literally see the weight coming off. He also agrees that the story was blown out of proportion, which I think everyone with a solid idea of what goes into the work of being an NFL player can agree that maybe this was blown out of proportion, but for anyone who was still hung up on it, I mean, you heard it 
practically straight from the horse's mouth. Leonard also came out and said on Twitter a couple of times, people can say what they want. I will see you September 11th without, which out of context sounded like a threat, but we, we know that he doesn't have any of that uh, going on with him. But Leonard Fournette, fresh off a three-year deal with Tampa Bay, you know, it's going to be, I don't want to, I don't want to say it's going to be an important preseason for him, but you would like to see him produce after hearing some of the stuff that you have. I, I think, you know, everybody gets a little weary after you sign the running back. It's a three-year deal. He got about the average salary that most good running backs do in the NFL, even if it was a little more team friendly. I mean, you just paid the guy over $20 million. You want to see him produce and you want to see him be in shape. And, and the latest that we've heard is he's right around 240 pounds, which I think he plays at like 235 or something. So, I mean, he'll be fine, but you still want to make sure he's up to snuff because we have seen some Buccaneer signed running backs before who fizzled out after they got their deal. So that report about the 260 pounds thing was from Rick Stroud, which was from like a month and a half ago. Yeah. It got, some, it got, it somebody got picked it solely back for up. clickbait. Somebody picked it back up and thought, Oh, Oh, Leonard Fournette's 260 pounds right now. Okay. Like, no, that's not the case. It never was the case. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, you don't want to see a running back be 260 pounds, even at OTA, right? Like, duh. But it's also, yeah, this is getting way, way. I got people asking me, so do you think Rashad White will be the starter now? That, that Leonard Fournette's overweight? Like, what? Like, stop. Like, yeah, yeah, like since he's over, you know, a little bit overweight that he's lost his ability to play football and or like that weight's going to stay. It's not going anywhere. You know, um, he says that, uh, you know, he always in the offseason, he always puts on weight and then takes it back off. Uh, now, I feel like every year, player in the NFL, yeah, you know what they, I mean? They, like they, when, <laughs> once you're not on a regiment five, six days, five, six days a week and you kind of get a month off. Yeah, I mean, no shit. You're going to put on a little bit of weight. Yeah, you, you're, you're training, but you're not doing like you would during the season or camp. Yeah. Um, but, you know, people are acting like he, yeah, like I said, he lost his, his ability to play football. And he said that, um, you know, like I said, he said he puts on the weight. Every player does that. And it's just, it's not that big of a deal. Like, it's, just, it's, it's really, really not. Now, he shows up to training camp. And he weighs 260 pounds, then sure, you know, yeah, then you've made zero progress. And then there's an issue, right? If you show up to training camp and you're weighing 260 pounds and you look big, then, then there's a problem. But all the reports have been that he's fine. Um, you know, and also I'm sure, you know, even though he does put on the weight, maybe this offseason he put on a little bit more than he normally does. Maybe that's the case, right? Because even, I mean, his trainer even said that they he came back a little bit heavier than they would have liked. So maybe instead of 260, maybe he normally comes in at like 250, you know. Um, this isn't unusual for athletes. Uh, they're professional athletes. They can work that weight off pretty easily. They have the best dietitians in the world, the best workout plans in the world. Uh, he'll be fine. <laughs> I, I, I promise you that Rashad White is not going to be the starter because Leonard Fournette's overweight. If Rashad White's the starter, that means Leonard Fournette's hurt or Leonard Fournette just got outplayed, not because he's overweight. And yeah, I, 
it's it's a non-story and uh this will be the last time that we mention it like i said unless he shows up to camp you know in like the same shape then there's an issue then 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 there there's a problem but until that happens and even rick stroud said that because rick leonard fournette messaged rick stroud uh, because Leonard Fournette wasn't too happy with it. And Rick Stroud was like, look, that was like a month ago. <laughs> I reported that uh, a lot can change in a month. So I would keep an eye on Leonard Fournette. Sure. Uh, I don't expect him to be 260 pounds when he shows up to camp uh, next week. So uh, just keep an eye on it, but it's not, it's not that big of a deal. Hey, if he rolls up and he's not 260, let's say he's 265 pushing 270. Our buddy Richard yeah. T from LA in the chat brings up a good point. Maybe they can just go the power back route, huh? Yeah, Mike Allstock 2.0 with playoff Lenny, big uh, big number seven. Leonard Fournette up the gut. No, yeah, you don't like that? Leonard Fournette with the gut. That's what it would be. <laughs> well, luckily, we don't have an Eddie Lacy situation on our hands just yet. There is nothing to be worried about when it comes to Lenny. I feel like I can confidently say that as of right now. We have all the evidence to believe that he's been out there putting the work in. You look at his social media, all of his channels he's putting out, the guy is working. So, uh, clearly, he's taking this seriously, but... Let's get into these training camp position battles, and I want to start with the one that people are clamoring for. This is the one. This is the only one that matters, yeah, in my opinion. The, the, the quarterback battle. <laughs> <laughs> Second best position on the team. Jose Borgales and Ryan suck up. If you had to project a starter for week one on this Tampa Bay mm. team, do you feel like <laughs> Borgales has a better chance than most people think? Yeah, I do. Um I think he has a better chance. I can't project who's going to win, but I think it's going to be a legit battle. Uh, I I think both players, the coaching staff is going to come in and both players are going to get a fair shot at this. I don't think there's going to be leaning anyway. Um, you know, they like Jose Borgales. They were worried that when they waived them and tried to put them on their practice squad, that somebody else was going to pick him up and make him be their kicker. I'm sure it has to be going through the Buccaneers' heads. Like, can they do that again this year? Like, can they get away with that again this year, or do they risk losing him? You know, if they try to say, oh, we'll have Suckup for this year, and then next year, you know, Borgos will be the guy, and we'll, we'll cut Suckup in the offseason. Are you sure you can do that again with Borgos? And I'm sure that's going to be going through their heads. So I think this is going to be a legit battle. Um, it's going to come down to the actual games. Uh, that's what it's going to come down to the actual preseason games, like who kicks the best during those practice matters, but practice is just different. It's a different environment than, than the preseason games. Um, so I, I'm very interested to, to see who wins. Uh, it'll be very interesting. Uh, obviously suck up. Uh, he's been consistent. He's accurate. It's just his limitation is, is the leg. And Borgales has a good leg, but Borgales is inexperienced. And I feel like younger kickers are, are more fragile than older kickers, than veteran kickers. And I think you've seen that in Tampa Bay before where like Roberto Aguayo and, and Matt Gay, younger kickers, I think the veterans know how to put a, a miss behind them. Uh, I think younger kickers, it could stay with them a little bit. And if – you know, Jose Borgales were to get the job, this would essentially be his first year in the NFL. I know he played a little bit last year, um, but th this would essentially be his first year in the, in the NFL. So um, 
it's going to be close. And like I said, it's going to come down to those preseason games. I'm curious to see how they handle it. Like, okay, an extra point. All right, suck up, you go. All right, a 35-yard field goal. Okay, Jose, you go. Um, so we're going we're gonna to see – that's going to be an interesting one to, to keep an eye on, though, and keep tabs of. You know, who's was uh, suck up four for five at practice and Borgos was three for six. Okay, then Borgos was five for five and suck up was two for four. Just something to keep an eye on there. I think that that's a legit battle. Yeah. Even if one guy, let's say one dude goes, you know, five for five one day, the other guy goes three for five, four for five. You're looking at those misses, too, because if he's missing from – I know at the Buccaneers training camp battles, whenever they bring the kickers out, they normally like to push those guys. I remember one time back in 2019, we watched Matt Gay nail a field goal in the indoor facility from the midfield logo. Like he absolutely just bombed it. So I know they like to have some fun. You know, if he goes out there and he misses a 55 plus yarder, I'm not going to be. Yeah, the the misses from 53. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those things where even Ryan Suckup has never been known for having that booming leg. Like, he's no Justin Tucker, but, I mean, what have we said before? Inside 35 yards, he's pretty much automatic when he needs to be. And I think that's what you need, the bare minimum from an NFL caliber kicker. But that's going to be a fun position battle to watch. It's one that we haven't had to worry about in a little while, and that's why it's, I I always think, a little bit interesting. I don't think you have to worry about it necessarily, but just keep an eye on it. You know, I think whether I don't, you know, if, if Jose Borgas wins the job, that means he'd be out a pretty good kicker in Ryan Suckup. Like Suckup has been really good for the Bucks the past two seasons. Like, so maybe that means Jose Borgas is like the dude. Or if Suckup beats him out, that means Suckup's still good. Like, yeah. I, I think they're not in a bad situation either way. It's just this is the first year, I think, you're going to see a legit competition now for, yeah. for Ryan Suckup, at least. Let's dive into the trenches here on the offensive side of the ball. The Buccaneers had some changes at the offensive line. And this obviously carries so much more weight now because of the stability that this unit has been able to have ever since Tom Brady came to Tampa Bay. We have seen Bucks offensive lines over the year. We're halfway through the year. You're taking guys out, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't. I mean, the stability that they have found is what has made them one of the better units in the NFL. The offseason happens. You get the retirement of Ali Marpet. You lose Alex Capita, Cincinnati. There goes your interior line, right? So the so the Bucks were tasked with between free agency and the draft going out there and trying to find some guys who can fill that gap. They signed Shaq Mason from New England. He comes in. He's pretty much going to be that right guard, right? Like, I I have to believe that that's his job to lose at this point. Can't imagine anyone else really filling in there. So that left guard spot is obviously where things get spicy. You've got guys like Luke Gedeke, who they just drafted this year. Robert Hainsey, who has been on the team for a little while. Nick Leverett may or may not be in the mix. And then, of course, Aaron Stinney is also a part of the equation, who filled in at right guard during the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl run and uh, played tremendously. They made sure to re-sign him this last offseason, so he'll be on the team no matter what. But who do you think has the edge in this this left guard spot? Because that's really that's really the only hole left, it seems like, on this offensive line. And yeah, you've got training camp in the preseason to figure this stuff out, but clock is still ticking. You know what I mean? You want to have an answer sooner rather than later. Uh, you don't want many question marks, especially on your offensive line when your offensive line is protecting it. You know, a forty-four-year-old quarterback who's not very mobile, right? You don't want to. You don't want him. He could be. What are you talking here. about, dude? Hold uh, on, let me stop you right there. Okay. Well, let's burn a timeout. Not very mobile. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's the highest rated quarterback yeah. in Madden 23 you're talking about. Not very mobile. Yeah, I'm sure he wasn't rated for his mobility. All right. You're anyways, talking, go ahead. You're talking to the guy with the TB12. Listen, I'll let it go this time. You just you okay, go ahead. Uh, this time. Okay. Okay. Um, But, uh, you know, you don't want him getting hit. You, you don't want him getting hit. So you don't really want a question mark at the left guard spot. And maybe you do have that question mark. Who knows? But, you know, Aaron Stinney has the experience. I think he has more of the trust of the coaching staff because of the past that he's had. He's filled in tremendously well. The one concern with Aaron Stinney, like in baseball with utility guys and like bench guys, you could look at a bench guy and go, man, he's batting over 300. He's, he's been really, really good. Yeah. He's been really good in that role. If you played him for a hundred games, is he batting 300? Probably not. Sam- sample size matters. Like there's a reason he's a bench guy. Aaron Stinney. He's good in a, you know, in like a vacuum, right? He's good. If you start him all 17 games, how good is he really? And that's what the Bucks like, that's what they're going to have to determine. Um, you know, is he good enough to hold up for 17 games or is he a guy who can fill in two, three games, but you don't really want him playing every single game, you know, plus the playoffs. Like you don't really want that. So we'll have to wait and see. I do think Luke Gedeke, the second round pick has a real shot at winning it. Uh, Robert Hainsey, it's tough because they, they drafted him because they liked him to be at center. But they just re-signed Ryan Jensen to a three-year deal. So I wonder if maybe plans changed there at some point. Maybe they didn't like how Hansey looked at center at some points during camp and during his rookie season. Um, so maybe plans had changed there. But I think he'll be in the mix. But to me, this is going to be Luke Gedeke versus Aaron Stinney. Uh, I think that'll be the the – basically the battle uh robert hansey with an outside shot i think nick leverett probably has a way outside he's, shot, but you never know. yeah he i feel like he's had his chances before yeah um so i i think he played he played a little bit in that indie game and didn't play didn't play great but they also didn't play like horribly either i don't know um but i do think it's going to come down to one of those two guys and obviously the experience is on Stinney's side, but I think the upside, I think Gedeke has a lot more upside than, than Stinney does. So that, yet again, that's going to have to be a determination that the Bucks have to make. Uh, can they trust Aaron Stinney to go out in a full 17 games? Okay. Can they trust a rookie to go out in a full 17 games to protect Tom Brady? They already did that once with Tristan Wirfs. Are they, would they be willing to do it again? Uh, we'll have to wait and see, but I do think... Uh, those two guys are going to be battling it out. And I think that's going to be down to like the final day, like of camp even like, I don't think that may not even be settled, but before week one, I think you'll find out when, when they trot out there for their first offensive drive in Dallas. Um, So we'll have to wait and see, but I'm, I'm very interested in that too, because both those guys are relatively young. Stinney's a little bit older. I think he's like 26, 27, but obviously Luke Gedeke, 
seems to be the future either way. So ideally, I think the Bucks would probably like to see Gedeke take the reins because he invested a second round pick in him. And if he can beat out Aaron Stinney, that's a positive sign uh, that maybe you, you hit on a second round pick here. So uh, I'm interested to see, but yet again, that's something that's going to come down to not only the training camp practices, but the preseason games, because I think the preseason games, Stinney's going to play. Gedeke's going to play. Hainsey's going to play, and even Nick Leverett's going to play. Now, all those guys won't be playing with the starters, which that'll be interesting to see, too. You know, the starters' limited time, who's their left guard in that limited time? Because that would probably show you a little hint at who's the front runner, right? So let's say week one, you know, versus Miami, that first preseason game, you know, Aaron Stinney trots out there with the starters. You know, they play a drive. That would show me that Aaron Stinney's probably the leader in the clubhouse right now. Doesn't mean that could change, right? The next week could be Luke Gedeke, but uh, that's an interesting battle. I think that's probably the biggest battle I think that everybody's going to be talking about. Um, and, you know, we'll just have to wait and see what happens because I think both players are good. Uh, and obviously both are going to make the roster, but uh, there, there's risk and reward to, to both of them, I think. I let me just say that, like, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm I'm team Gedeke. I would like to see the rookie come up and, and really make a statement at camp, go out there and play his ass off in the preseason and be a starting uh, be a starting left guard in the NFL week one. And I think that's just because of the weight that those draft picks hold. Right. Like you, you draft guys these last two years to come onto this team and be contributors, not really knock it out of the park because you're not drafting in the top 15 of the first round anymore. But when you sign guys like Logan Hall, I mean, when you sign guys like Joe Tryon, who's going to have a much bigger platform this year to showcase what he's made of, those picks just mean that much more because it's another feather in the cap for Jason Light. Everybody can kind of say, hey, this guy is continually drafted incredibly well and nothing against Aaron Stinney. But just like you said, we know he is good in a vacuum. We know he is good certain times of the year. We know he is a good backup. I mean, uh, listen, I don't know the state of a lot of backup offensive linemen in the NFL, but I would bet that Aaron Stinney is He's probably one of the, one of the better backups yeah. you could have on your interior offensive line. He was able to play right guard. He's fighting for the left guard position this season. He's a little versatile. Bucks resigned him for a reason. So, like, yeah, I'm a big Stinney fan. But you drafted Gedeke. And the last thing I want to see happen with another offensive lineman is a Robert Hainsey situation because I'm sure he can contribute, but the Bucs are not in a period where they need to wait around and find out if he can. You've already got a, a pretty good starting offensive line. And unfortunately for Hainsey, it's like he's been in purgatory on this team. And I'm a big fan of drafting linemen. I was a big fan of Hainsey seeing him come out of the draft. And he really hasn't had much of a chance, right? He's had a few regular season reps, but beyond that, it, it is what it is. By the time his four years is up here in Tampa, I'm curious what the offensive line is going to look like, but I have to imagine he's not going to get a whole lot of... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, super crucial playing time, I guess, is, is what I'm looking for. I don't think he's going to have much of a chance between now and when he ultimately leaves... To prove that he's a superstar, but hindsight is always twenty twenty. I could be dead wrong in two years, but like, I would hate to see that happen to a guy like Gedeke. And if he doesn't get the job or at least a prominent position this year, I feel like it could. You know, I mean, maybe one year behind Stinney, he's good to go next year. But I just that 
I don't know. I kind of worry about that. If he's good to go next year, then you're doing the same thing with Lou Gedeke. Right. That's that's the issue. Oh well, that well, I was referring to Gedeke when I said one year, and then he's good to go next year. But okay, I I thought you were talking about Hainsey. Um, but uh, I mean, like I said, the plan. I thought the plan was going to be for Hainsey to be their starting center, like for the future. But they just re-signed Ryan Jensen to three years. Like Ryan Jensen and Robert Hainsey's contracts both expired at the same time now. Like you're going to put all your faith in Robert Hainsey when he hasn't started a game at center in the NFL to replace Ryan Jensen in three years. Like, I mean, when you look at the situation, the Bucs are going to be in. Yeah, they're going to have to start paying guys over these next few years. We know that this team's probably going to look a lot different. Two they're gonna have to, yeah, they're going to have to say goodbye to, to some of their draft picks that, that are good players because you can't re-sign everybody. Right. I mean, I, I would make a bet that three years from now, Ryan Jensen is not here. Three years from now, Tom Brady is more than likely not playing here. I mean, yeah, guys like Shaq Mason, Donovan Smith probably won't even be here in like three years. Right. Uh, so I think they're going to get to the point where they're not really going to have a choice but to roll with Hainsey. But I also think the reason we're talking about this like this is because Tom Brady came back. If Tom Brady doesn't come back out of retirement, yeah, Ryan Jensen doesn't resign. Alex Kapp is gone. Ali Marpet probably still retires. And and do do the Bucks make an aggressive trade for Shaq Mason if, if right. Tom Brady's not? The well, they're not going to get the the deal on it that they did. I don't think. <laughs> well, I'm sure, but Bill Belichick wasn't trying to do Tom Brady any favor, so I didn't yeah. think that had any impact in it. But. Um, you know, would they have made that trade? Probably not. Like, you know, you might have rolled with like Aaron Stinney and like a Luke Gedeke, and then maybe maybe you sign a veteran because I don't know if you want Robert Hainsey at center. That's a lot of inexperience in the interior. Um, but like, yeah, it would have looked a lot different. So we'll wait and see what that left guard position not only looks like for this year, but for the future. And then it also ties in with center and then right guard. Shaq Mason only has two years on his deal. So does one of those guys slide over to right guard when Shaq Mason goes, you know, who knows? Um, but that'll be a fun one to watch as well. Let's talk about the quarterback room on this team. I know All we kind of, right. I, I know we kind of joked this. about it before, but uh, <laughs> you know there is a legitimate shot. Kyle Trask wins QB one. I, I just, <laughs> no, oh, okay, but seriously, uh, let's break down the quarterback room for Tampa Bay. Tom Brady is your starter. Blaine Gabbard, as of right now, is your second string. Kyle Trask, third string. Ryan Griffin, probably gonna be a practice squad guy. So that quarterback two spot, a lot of people have their eyes on, and we had the same exact conversation a year ago. The difference is Kyle Trask having a year of riding the bench under his belt. He's a second-round pick, and you would hate to see a second-round pick not touch the field for his first two years. He gets the preseason reps, but when Tom Brady's on your team, yeah, yeah of course he's not <laughs> going to see the field. But as far as the QB two spot goes, a lot of people really feel like Kyle Trask has to prove his worth and win the QB two spot this year. And personally, I don't feel that way. But what do you make of this battle if there even is one at this point? If he doesn't win the quarterback two spot, if he can't beat out Blaine Gabbard in the year two, he's done. Right? Yeah. Like I, you're a second like I just pick. I know that the Gabbard holds a certain level of significance. He's got experience. You know, everybody says, oh, he knows the playbook, but like, yeah, so does Tom. You know what I mean? It's not like he needs Blaine so Gabbert there. So to, does Kyle. Like, it, right. <laughs> it, nobody really needs Gabbert there to hold their hand through this thing. But, I mean, the Bucks coaching staff thinks pretty fondly of him. They seem to think he's the next superstar quarterback of the NFL after Brady retires. But aside from all of that, like, is, is there that much pressure on Trask to win the QB2 job? Because I, I, mean, I, I feel like it's an uphill battle for him. Eventually, talent's got to win out. Like... 
are you more talented than Blaine Gabbert? Yes or no? Like you should be. Yeah. For, for a second you, round you, pick, you should be, you know, um, now, I mean, Blaine Gabbert was a first round pick. He was a top 10 pick, but, um, you know, he's shown that over the years he struggled. Right. So Kyle, I mean, this is, uh, to me, this is such an important camp and preseason for, for Kyle Trask. You could be looking at an off season where the bucks are quarterback hunting, next year and not necessarily veteran quarterback hunting, but young quarterback hunting in the draft. This is a, a draft coming up that has probably maybe five or six quarterbacks that could go in the first round. Um, you have to think if Kyle Trask doesn't show, you know, promise in the preseason and camp this year, because that's really the only look they're going to get right. Like because Tom Brady's your starter. So you're not going to get a look at him inside the regular season. So this is Kyle Trask's chance to shine here. And if he doesn't, you could seriously have to wonder if they're going to use a first round pick on a quarterback because they have to have a plan. And I just, this is important, right? Maybe. Okay. Maybe on the depth chart, maybe he's not the second string person on the official Buccaneers depth chart. You have to come out of the preseason though and training camp definitively saying Kyle Trask looked better than Blaine Gabbert. Like in the, in the preseason game versus the dolphins, Kyle Trask looked better than Blaine Gabbert did because if he didn't, then there's been zero progress made. And like, it's just, it would not be good to me. And And I think Kyle Trask needs this training camp and preseason to go well. And I mean, like, yeah, there's Florida Gator fans who have a lot invested in Kyle Trask. They're obviously going to be homers when they root for Tampa Bay. But I also think from the Bucks' perspective, if you don't see that improvement from Kyle Trask, then you have to have zero issues with washing your hands of it, saying, hey, that wasn't a good pick. Let's move on. Because the fact of the matter is, and I think, unfortunately, this also plays into kind of an unlucky situation for Trask, the Bucks have been a team that has put so much resources into what the team needs right now over the last few years, right? Like we're not really planning for the future. I I know for a long time when we would watch these Bucks teams being built over the last decade and a half, it was like, yeah, this guy's a playmaker. This guy's a stud. This guy could be good, but ultimately we're trying to get a team together for one to two, three years down the road. When you've got Tom Brady at quarterback, he doesn't have the time, the waste to do that garbage. I mean, the Bucks have already won a Super Bowl under the, TV 12 regime, but that's been their mindset as far as acquiring players, drafting talent. You want guys to come in and be contributors. And as a QB two, Kyle Trask doesn't have a whole lot of room to be a contributor, but just like you alluded to, if you don't see very much progress, a lot of people I think are just going to have to kind of let it go. You know, unfortunately for Kyle, Tom Brady decided to play three years in Tampa. That's that it sucks for him, but you know, it, it, he wasn't drafted to a quarterback needy team. And this is obviously a much different conversation, as we had mentioned, if Brady doesn't come back, but he's back. He's here. He's your QB one until he's not. So, you know, Trask is just kind of there. Yeah. And like I said, he just he needs to. That's fine if Blaine Gabbard is the number two because they like him or whatever. But what I'm basically saying you have to feel like Trask is the second best quarterback. You have to feel like he could potentially be the next guy. Like you have to be like, you know what? You you get that guy some more miles on him. He he could be a starting quarterback in the NFL. You have to go into the season thinking, okay, Blaine Garrett might be the backup, but Kyle Trask is, is the second best quarterback on the roster. Because if you don't, if you, if you go into the season thinking Kyle Trask is probably the third best on the roster, there's an issue. 
um, there, there is an issue that uh, with, you know, a year of experience, he still wasn't progressing enough as a second round pick. It's not like he's a fifth round pick or anything. He was a second round pick who broke a bunch of records of Florida played really well at Florida. And he hasn't progressed enough to be the second best quarterback on, on the team. Like that's not good. And this is a critical camp for him. And I hope he does good. I don't root against anybody, but you know, it's, it's critical. It, it is absolutely critical for him. And uh, obviously my opinion of him as a player has nothing to do with personally, you know, I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm, I hope he does good. I, of course I want him to succeed. I don't want him to fail at life, but like, it's, you know, it's the reality. He has to, he has to show up and I'm not saying he has to play spectacular in a preseason, but you have to come away thinking, Okay, yeah, Kyle Trask is is better than Blaine Gabbard at this point. And if you don't, I think there's there's real trouble, and I think that could be the writing on the wall for, for Trask. Time doesn't wait for anyone in the NFL, and at the end of the day, even though Kyle Trask is in the position that he is, you got to go out there and get it. And, and that's just that's where he is. Will he do that this preseason? Uh, let's sit back and find out. But let's talk about the other side of the football as we kind of start to get to the second half of this training camp preview. There's two position groups I wanted to touch on here before we wrap up the pod. The first being that safety position. It's a pretty talented safety room. Antoine Winfield Jr., of course, back. Newly signed Logan Ryan. Mike Edwards still involved there. I... Honestly, I think the biggest takeaway I'm going to have from this is I'm excited to see a lot more of Mike Edwards this year. Yeah, it, the the versatility um, in in the safety room is what I'm going to look at. Uh, obviously, like you mentioned, Logan Ryan, Mike Edwards, Anton Winfield, guys that can do it all. And then you add Keanu Neal, who can do a little bit of strong safety and also a linebacker. So you have a lot of versatility uh, in that safety room. And I'm curious. I I don't think they're going to have a set starter next to Anton Winfield Jr. I really no, don't. I don't I, think so I either. Think, I think it's situational. Yeah, it's going to be a rotation between those three guys. Uh, and I think Mike Edwards is going to see a lot more playing time this year, for sure. Um, but I, I I think you're going to see, like, it's not going to be like, oh, it's Logan Ryan for 10 games. No, like, I, I don't think that. I think they're going to give guys chances. And, um, you know, I think the loss of Jordan Whitehead is big. I think it's bigger than some people are talking about. I think people at points this season – uh, I'm not saying the entire year, but there will be points in the season, I think, where people kind of say like, man, yeah, Whitehead could have been used on that one or, you know, uh, Whitehead could have been could have helped in this game against this play or, or it, something. It really sucks. I mean, we've been vocal about what big Whitehead fans we were on this show, and, and now he's going to be losing games with the Jets. <laughs> hey, at least he has well, those, I mean, they, uh, they, those, they those got, the well, stealth they got black. Awesome well, they got a. They got a quarterback too, a generational talent. Oh yeah, time. man, Zach Wilson. Yeah, the offseason, he is generational had. We talent. We didn't oh, even touch goodness. on that, but that guy has transcended expectations. He is now one of the better NFL tier quarterbacks. Don't ask yes, me why. Is. I don't make the rules. Uh, but I had referred to the stealth black uniforms that the Jets are going to have because they are yet another team who gets an alternate uniform this year with an alternate helmet on top. Well, I they've think already, they they've really always, they've always had the black though. They've yeah, always they've had always the had the all black, but the I guess like the difference. Different between this is the 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 color of the Jets logo and it's like a matte black it'll look cool I don't know if it'll look cool at a 1 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon but well, a lot of these uniforms look if cool they're, they're, but I, if they're playing in New York in November it'll be fun yeah but I think the Jets totally 
they, they just whiffed. Why didn't they call it the jet black? Why didn't they call them the jet black uniforms? Like it, it come on, dude. Yeah. I mean, if we, and if anybody from the Jets organization is listening to this, you can contact yeah. Rhett Matthew at the Campfire Podcast. So and, and he will he will give you all your, your marketing tools and everything. Somebody somebody should hire me. We've spent way too much time complaining about other teams' uniforms on this episode, so I apologize for that. Let's jump back into this discussion on the safety room. Evan, didn't mean to uh didn't mean to totally derail your point there. No, but um, it's uh, I think it's going to be interesting because each player kind of brings their own personal skill set. Like I said, Keanu Neal is a strong safety, but can also play linebacker. Um, Logan Ryan is a safety, but can also play kind of a little bit of nickel corner. Um, you know, Mike Edwards is more of a free safety, uh, but he can he's versatile. Anton Winfield, they like to move him all around. And I don't think that's going to change. I, I think they're they're not going to have him set in one spot. So I think the safety room is going to look interesting because I just think they're going to have a bunch of dudes who can just do a bunch of different things. And it's going to make some of the looks that they give teams on defense uh, very interesting. Hey, well, that's Todd Bull's specialty. I mean, we have talked yeah. about the variety of what he rolls out this defense in. And uh, sometimes it takes teams... A couple, a couple drives to kind of figure out what he's putting in front of him. But with him, obviously, excuse me, with him being in a head coach capacity, uh, I think it just brings another level to what he's going to have to do on this defense. Yeah, he's got co-defensive coordinators, but I mean, he's still the guy. You know what I mean? He's still going to be blitzing a bunch. You're going to see a lot of the same from the Bucks defense this year, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, it's been a. I think it's been a top ten unit these past couple of years. I think most people can agree that we are just strides better than where we were five years ago. Talking about this Bucks defense, but let's talk about one last position battle, and I'm excited about this one too because I don't think a lot of people have high expectations, but I think it is realistic. The defensive line, not so much your outside linebackers, your edge rushers, nothing like that. Vita Vea right there in the middle, some Polynesian power. I'm not worried about Vita, you know, hoping he can stay healthy. But Akeem Hicks and and uh, Raheem Nunez Roches, I think Nacho is going to kind of kind of push for some playing time this year. Like he's he's stuck around on this team and he's been a contributor. They kind of leaned on him a little bit more last year, but I think he might edge out Akeem Hicks for playing time. I think they might split snaps at the end of the year. I know. I know you're giving me that look, but I, I personally believe there's going to be a, I don't think he's going to like be a starter week one over Hicks. That's not what I'm saying, but I think, I think he can make some noise on the defensive line. You don't think, are you laughing at me? This is laughable to you. Akeem Hicks can't stay healthy. The way, the way you made it sound like he's just going to outplay him. Like, no, that's you, you not, mention, that's not the impression health. I wanted. You didn't wanted. mention health at all. Like, you didn't mention health until the very end there. That's not the impression I wanted to give. I just wanted to mention that, like, hey, maybe he is going to be featured oh, a little more God. on this defensive line because he has clearly been earning the playing time these last few years. So has he's he not? Gonna, he's going to beat out Logan Hall and Will Golston, too. No, it's not what I'm saying. Mm. Okay. Um, and anyway. don't even talk. Don't even, don't even worry about it. <laughs> Let's just end the show. That's the podcast folks. Oh man. Um, that is a take. That is a take. That is certainly a take my friend. Um, yeah, I think 
the thing about the Bucks defensive line is they can have a rotation interiorly now, which I don't know. I don't even know if interiorly is a word, but anyways, um, I don't know if they could have in the past. I mean, you have Akeem Hicks, Logan Hall, Will Golston, you know, Nacho. And I mean, Nacho, a lot of the time will fill in for Vita Vea. Like he's kind of like the nose tackle, like the backup nose tackle. Um, so I think if you're going to see him on the field a lot, it could be because Vita Vea still, the one knock on him is that he still doesn't play like, it's not like he's playing 80, 90% of the snaps. And part of that's a coaching staff, I think. But like, he should be playing a bit more. Um, oh, so what you're saying is Nacho could potentially contribute a little bit more than people think he will this year. Is that what you're saying by that? Not, not over the guy they just paid $10 million to. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's I think Logan Hall won't be the starter. I think Will Golson will likely be a starter. And that's good. Like, I don't think you'd want to thrust him into the starting role right away. That's not a recipe for success, in my opinion. Uh, I, I think Will Golston can be – we know what Will Golston is. He's safe. He's going to give you probably four, four and a half sacks a year. He's going to play solid run defense. He's not going to do anything spectacularly, you know. Like, he's not going to make a wow play. Like he's going to do his job. He's going to be in the right spots. He's a safe, solid option. And then you have Hicks, who is obviously the wild card. If Hicks is healthy, um, he's a pass rushing specialist who can, you know, a guy that size that can rush the pass like he can when he's healthy and he's on his game uh, is pretty special. And I think, you know, you look back two, three, four years ago when the Bears had Khalil Mack, it was Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks. They ran a defensive line. And I think if Akeem Hicks can get back to the sort of what he was in 2017, 2018, uh, the Bucks have a real, real player on their hands. And that I think changes the dynamic of the whole defensive line as, you know, uh, as far as the interior goes. Um, I think you're going to see a rotation. Uh, I think they want to keep guys fresh. I think they want to keep them healthy. Like you mentioned with, with Hicks's health, you don't want him playing 80, 90% of the snaps, you know, in the season, you want him healthy for the playoffs. Like that, that's the ultimate goal. Now, uh, obviously the regular season matters, but when you're talking about the bucks and their current situation, yeah, like the, the playoffs matters. Like I was to a certain point last season where I was like, by like week, like 12 week 13, I was like, okay, like, Let's get to the playoffs. Like I know, I know they're making it. Like let let's get there. And I think this is going to be sort of, sort of the same situation this year as well. Um, and and health is important. Health is one of the reasons that they didn't win the Super Bowl last year or didn't advance versus the Rams because they weren't healthy enough. And I think that's going to be a major thing that the Bucks are going to have to eye um, this season. Also, wouldn't rule out them signing another interior pass rusher. I, I don't know if it'll happen. Uh, I wouldn't rule that out just because you can never have too much depth, uh, especially on, on pass rusher. Uh, and we'll have to wait and see. I think Logan Hall's snaps will increase as the year goes on. Uh, sort of like Joe Tryon-Schwingas did last year. I think Logan Halls could. And I think by the end of the season, if you're talking about somebody who could replace a starter by the end of the season, I think it could be Logan Hall replacing Will, Will Golson's role. Uh, Logan Hall would give you a little bit more pass rush while also providing some run defense. So uh, Will Golson only signed a one-year deal, I believe. So uh, he's over 30, and his time could be coming to an end. But he's still, for now, is still a, so- a solid player for this team and i think this defensive line while i don't think there's any like 
battles per se. Like, and you're not even alluding to that. You're not no, trying to say no, it's a key no. mix versus nacho. Like, you're no. not saying that. But it's just interesting to look at. Like, I don't think there's battles, but I think there is roles that guys could carve out, but they just haven't yet because you haven't gotten to that point yet. Well, I think what plays into this, too, and the reason that I kind of look at this is is measuring expectations for the regular season, because I wouldn't say this Bucks defensive line went out and got drastically better. Mm-hmm. But I think if Akeem Hicks is on his game this year and, and like you said, he can kind of bring back that flavor from 2017, 2018. It's one of those things where like, yeah, I do think they got marginally better when you've got two just absolute beasts in the middle of your defensive line. And then obviously the development of Joe Tryon Shoyinka is is going to be pretty crucial to that. But I've got high expectations for him this year, truthfully. Like, I'm excited to see what he can do. But this is a critical year for him. Yeah, yeah, I think this is a critical year for the defensive line and the pass rush unit, because mm-hmm. while 2020, they got the job done in the Super Bowl. They had an awesome performance. That was when it mattered the most. But. I mean, let's be honest. I think one of the running storylines these past couple of years since the Bucks defense has had the notoriety and the reputation that it has is that for as good as they are, it, it almost feels like the pass rush can be underwhelming. And I, I feel like if this year we get to that point, depending on how healthy everyone is, it's a very slippery slope because with a lot of the new faces in there and Dama can sue more than likely not coming back at this point. I mean, let's just face it. It's one of those things where, like, I feel like if they get bad, they they could get kind of like like really bad. But I also feel like if they are marginally better than they were last year, that's going to put them in a much, much better position because they have been a solid unit. You know what I mean? I just I think it's like, are they going to surprise us this year? Are we going to get more of the same or is that production going to kind of go away and, and maybe eventually be a problem? So, yeah, you want to talk about the one, some of the reasons that they can't beat the Rams or can't beat the Saints. It's because they can't rush the passer with four against those teams. You know, those two teams contain them, and that's what hurts. That playoff game, they couldn't get um, – they, they couldn't get a pass rush with, with four guys. Yeah, they, they barely they sniffed had to, Stafford. They, they had the blitz, and Stafford against the blitz is one of the best in the NFL. So that was one of the reasons they lost that game, not just the injuries. You know, people forget they were down 27 to three in that game. Like they put themselves in that hole. Um, so and the pass rush was one of the issues in that game. So, yeah, the, the pass rush is critical. Um, Joe Trinashawinka, when I say it's a critical year for him, not necessarily looking for you know, uh, breakout in 12 to 15 sacks, but you want to see progress uh, yet again, you know, just like from Kyle Trask, their second round pick, you want to see it from their first round pick even more. So especially since Joe Trinchowinka is going to be playing more, uh, you want to see progress from him. And if you don't, it could be worrisome, but I luckily you know, I, I'm betting on the upside of the player. I liked him coming out pre-draft and I'm going to bet on his upside. I do think he'll show progress while it may not be a huge jump, you know, in year two, um, I think it, it takes pass rushers a little bit of time, you know, uh, it, it takes them a little bit of time to really come into their own, unless they're like a Miles Garrett, Khalil Mack, like special, special well, even, talent. I even look at look at a guy like Shaq Barrett. I mean, had yeah. he been given more of an opportunity in Denver, maybe it's a different story. But this is a guy who didn't go out and get 20 sacks a year until, you know, 
later on in his career. Yeah. He, he gets to deal with Tampa Bay. 27 years old. Right. You know what I mean? He kind of had to bet on himself a little bit after not really getting the chance to push that product, uh, that product out Ooh. on the field. And the good thing is Joe Trashwinko will get that chance. Yeah, that's why those reps are that much more important this year. Yeah, and I still am of the mindset that they should add a third outside linebacker just because I like Anthony Nelson, but he's more of a run defense type guy for me. He doesn't provide enough pass rush, so I would prefer a guy who can just come in on third downs when you need him to and rush the passer. Um, I personally would do that. I think there's a chance they will, uh, but I think they want to get a look at, you know, what guys look like in, in these roles in camp before they do anything like that. Um, but yeah, like I said, the thing you want to see from JTS though, is just progress. And I know we started this talking about the interior defensive line. That's kind of worked our way to uh, the outside linebackers, but they all work together as one to me, especially when you're talking about a pass rushing unit. So it's important for those guys to step up the season. And if they do, that's great. You know, like it, I think the bucks are going to be in good shape if they do, but if they don't, you know, they could struggle again against some top tier quarterbacks that could just your your corners can't cover all day long. You know, and if, if you give them all day, you either have the blitz, which leaves your corners on an island or you're giving the, the quarterback five, six seconds and he's going to find the right guy. You know, Aaron Rodgers is going to find the open guy. Patrick Mahomes is going to find the open guy. So and they play a lot of good quarterbacks this year. So this year, even more than the last two years, I think a pass rush is critical. Yeah. And this is probably going to sound like common sense to most people who understand it, but the Bucs are running a 3-4 hybrid, quote-unquote, defense. It's not like they're running a 4-3 under Mike Smith, who they were a couple of years ago. But at the end of the day, on this Bucks pass rush, the better your interior linemen do, the more opportunities they're going to open up for all of your outside guys. And at the end of the day, even though Todd Bowles likes to blitz as much as he does, the better your pass rushers do on the line, you don't have to rely on it that much. And like, yeah... We're probably still going to see it a shit ton this year. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, if everybody is on their P's and Q's and everyone is complimenting everyone else, that's where it gets that, that much more effective, right? You're, you're not going to see them swing and miss on a blitz as much as maybe they usually do. But this is all stuff we're going to figure out in time. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I believe that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the Cannon Fire podcast. NFL training camp is here. Rookies report this week. The vets are back next week, which means CFP is officially back. Be on the lookout as well. One of the things that uh, I like to do during training camp these past couple of years, whenever we're able to get inside and get some access, whether it's going with a season ticket holder friend, <coughs> James, um, I'll usually bring my camera. I'll get some cool footage for you guys, make a nice video out of it. So be on the lookout for more training camp vlogs this year. They did really well last year. And uh, that makes it exciting. Uh, that makes it even more exciting to put them together. So those should be coming up here pretty soon as things get rolling. Evan, any last words? No. Well, one thing I wanted to throw out there: the, the receivers. Um, who's going to be the odd man out? These you kind of got Scotty Miller, uh, Tyler Johnson, Surreal Grayson. Like, there's a lot of names there. So just keep an eye on that. Uh, we'll elaborate more on that when the games actually start preseason and we, stuff. Yeah, and we touched uh, on it a little bit on the last episode as well. If you'd like to hear some sort of preview for the wide receiver position, go check that out. But I would say as of right now, the discussion remains the same. Like, it, it's all about who's going to be the odd man out. But as of right now, it's it's pretty tough to project. Like, we're kind of just have to wait and watch this one play out in real time, which will also be really exciting. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, it, it will. And uh, yeah, like you said, CFP is, is is back and the season prediction show is coming sooner rather than later. Uh, we don't have an exact date yet, but the season prediction show, one of our biggest shows of the year, will be coming within the next uh, two, three weeks or so, uh, probably. We like to do it before the season uh, and, and really probably before the, the preseason ends as well. So we'd like to get that out um, right around early to mid August. So be on the lookout for that. And uh, a lot of the other great stuff that we have uh, coming up. Absolutely. Anything you got in the oven over at boxnation.com? Uh No, not right now. Uh, covered the, the Kyle Rudolph signing and everything. Um I might have something out about soon about um, how maybe Tom Brady could be even better than uh, he was in the past two years. How could he could be better in 2022 than he was in 2020 and 2021. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Like I said, I don't know when, but it, it could be soon. Exciting times, folks. Football is back. Oh, there's nothing like it. I'm really starting to get that feeling now. I mean, even more so than when we started this podcast, it, it, the time is coming and, of course, we're going to keep you updated every step of the way. But uh, thanks so much for checking out this week's edition of the Cannon Fire podcast. Check out the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show and, of course, Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can check out my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. And like we mentioned, check out his written work at BoxNation.com. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. One last shout out, one time for the one time. Everybody hanging out in the live chat with us today. Mr. Smith, Neil. Oh, Mr. Smith says, what's up, boys? And we're literally wrapping up the show. Sorry, sorry, dude. I really apologize. Uh, Matt Diaz, Travis L., Dante Holmes, Richard T. from L.A. out there on the West Coast. Woke up bright and early with us this morning. We truly do appreciate you guys. Excited to get you more training camp coverage coming soon. Stay tuned for more. I'm your host, Rhett Matthews, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, go Bucks! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.